He talks about a wedding banquet that's already been prepared, and the imagery is very, very clear. The invited guests are whom? The chief priests and the scribes. It's the people that are of the elite. The initial wedding guests are the owners of the farms. The power structure in Jerusalem and elsewhere. And they're the ones that are initially invited to the wedding banquet, and we see what happens. They say no. And so the owner of the vineyard, of the uh, wedding banquet, the father of the groom, says to his slaves, Will you just go out and you finally you invite anybody you see? Because these people that I invited aren't going to come. And so the slaves do that, and these people show up. And that's the first thing I want to say. You and I are those people. It's in ensuing generations that all of a sudden this plan that God seems to have had changes. Just as in the first reading for today, God changes his mind. Yahweh changes his mind and does not punish the people in the wilderness. Well, in this particular passage, God also changes his mind. And it's not just to the elect, to the chosen. It's to everybody. And thereby, an important principle is established within Christianity that we better pay attention to and we better live by today. And that is, we would say in today's language, that tribalism has been replaced by globalism. That's a profoundly Christian principle. Profoundly Christian. That as Christians, we have to be globally aware. We might act locally, but the reality is, is that within the kingdom of heaven, we're not dealing with tribalism, we're dealing with globalism. We're dealing with humanity and all of the elements of humanity that make up creation. And that's the truth. The second thing about that is we better remember that we are invited guests. We better remember that. Never forget that. Otherwise, we become like the elite. Otherwise, we become controlling and manipulating and telling God what to do when that's not the way that this parable is put together at all. We're the invited guests. So therefore, let's continually practice humility and continually be open to the proposition that all are invited to the table. All are invited. That even includes in our day and age people who would not even classify themselves as followers of Jesus, but who have the Spirit of God within them. And we'd better pay attention to that today for those of us that are practicing our Christianity. It is global, not trial. And we need to approach it with an attitude of humility. Because once we become arrogant about our faith, we've lost it. The next thing I want to address is this very problematic little scenario in Matthew's Gospel. Incidentally, it's not in Luke's Gospel. It's in Matthew's Gospel. Where this fellow comes to the wedding banquet, 
kind of dressed as a slob. I mean, the inference is clear, isn't it, Jamie? He doesn't have a wedding robe on, and the inference is probably that uh, he stinks to high heaven. Right? He stands out, for sure, among all the others that seem to have been invited from the streets. He stands out, and the uh, master has something to say to him which is not pleasant. Uh, very, very harsh words that the master says to this man without a wedding robe. He kicks him out and banishes him, basically to hellfire. Which is to say, nicely, that just because we're invited to the wedding feast doesn't mean that we can't we we uh, don't have to abide by certain standards of conduct and behavior. That there's something about being a follower of God and entering into the kingdom of God that transforms us to be better human beings. That allows us and even demands of us that we act nobly. In a wonderful book that Kaim Otak wrote, you're familiar with it, I think it's the promise, it could have been the chosen, there's a wonderful story about a very gifted young man whose father is the rabbi, a civic rabbi, and the father doesn't speak to the son. It sounds so cruel. And the son goes off and he's uh, the star students. He's smart as Dickens. And it turns out that the father was not being cruel to his son. It turns out that what the father wanted to do was to teach the son a lesson. And that is that as smart and as gifted as that son is, he had a photographic memory. He would have made a gazillion dollars on Jeopardy. <laughs> but the father had to teach the son compassion. And his way of doing that was by not speaking to the son. And it worked. That's the molding and the melting and the shaping and the reforming that all of us have to go through if we're going to understand and be part of the kingdom of heaven or be part of the wedding banquet. We're going to be broken. We're going to be molded and shaped and formed because we're going to emerge as noble people in our spirits from all walks of life, from every generation that has ever lived and ever will live from that matter. We're going to be better people because there are some expectations of how we behave at the wedding banquet. In other words, how we behave when we enter into the kingdom of heaven. And the final thing I want to say is never forget, in spite of the fact that uh, there are standards and norms that we're expected to uphold and live by, and be transformed by. 
Never forget it is a wedding day. Never forget that. I'm afraid all too often the message in Christianity is still not focusing upon the darkness of it all, the bleakness of it all, when what this parable clearly tells us and what Jesus is clearly saying to his followers is you're entering into a wedding banquet. Now you've got to live a certain way in order to fully appreciate that wedding banquet, but don't ever forget it's a wedding banquet. You're going to be much better off by living nobly. You're going to be much better off by living heroically. In fact, that's what I think Jesus allure is. Time and time again, what Jesus does with those early disciples and apostles of his is he offers them one thing, one thing that's so appealing they can't refuse it. They can't go back to their nets in Galilee. They can't go back to their wives and their children even. Because what Jesus says is, I've got one thing and one thing only, and that is that I'm going to show you how to act heroically. And boy, does that have power. Imagine if we had leaders today who would say, I am going to act heroically myself, and so are you. Because it's within each and every one of you, and that's what you want to do the most in your life. It doesn't have to be known by others, for that matter. But you do have to be able to say at the wedding banquet, I'm acting like a hero, if only to myself. And that's enough. It's a good news. It's why Jesus can form and shape and mold all of us in spite of all of our um, character defects. We're on the road to being heroes. We're on the road to enjoying the wedding banquet. Kingdom of heaven and never forget it. It's the best way to be. Amen. Amen.